This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. It's all about Youth Month here on Voice of Change. Today with myself, Lauren Jacobs, welcome to Radio K-Pulpit and welcome to the show. It's going to be a wonderful one. Now, I know that everybody knows about the 16th of June next week being Youth Day, but actually June itself is Youth Month and we bring awareness to issues around youth and wonderful initiatives as well that our youth are doing. I want to tell you that our youth, which I consider myself still part of, but our youth are doing such incredible things. You know, our kids from a very young age are getting involved, particularly in environmental conservation, and they're really doing such incredible things. And we need to be able, as young people, to explore that and to consistently drive it forward. And so today on the show, I have some phenomenal guests who are doing incredible things. First, I have Zoe Prince-Lew. Now, Zoe is a 19-year-old environmental activist. She's also the founder and owner of Save a Fishy, an organization that focuses on beach cleanups and other environmental issues, as well as being a distributor of a wide range of eco-friendly products, which is super, super important. Specifically, when we are talking about the environment, we have to start thinking that we've got to get rid of that single-use plastic items, you know, and get eco-friendly products. Now, Zoe has also, she was chosen in 2019 to attend the UN Youth Climate Summit in New York City and she was recently also announced as one of the top 100 African young environmental conservation leaders. How cool is that? She does such incredible things and so we're going to be talking to Zoe about Saver Fishy as well as the beach cleanups that are happening very very close probably to where you live as well out in Milneton and then I'm going to be joined by Chanel Savell and she is an incredible human being a dynamic young social entrepreneur life coach tutor community worker and she has pursued her passion to create a safer community for at-risk youth in South Africa by co-founding an organization called the Nine Miles Project that she founded along with her husband, Nigel. And they all about, you know what, using surfing almost as a draw card, to, but also to provide safe spaces and structured after-school programs for impoverished and vulnerable children. And I have been following their journey for such a long time. I can honestly tell you they are doing the most incredible work. And so today on the show, I'm going to be joined by Zoe and Chanel. And we're going to be talking, you know, about things that pertain to youth. Zoe and I are going to get into, you know, beach cleanups. Chanel and I, we're going to be talking about the at-risk youth. And we're going to be talking about why we should be working and helping our youth today. We actually have a staggering statistic that just came out recently. And it said that South Africa is second in the world for youth unemployment. 
Our youth unemployment rate is now standing at 63%. We are just below Nigeria. And so this is something that we have to consider and why community work and organizations like Nine Miles is so important to our communities and our youth. So don't go anywhere. We're going to really, really get warm on the show today. We're going to have some wonderful conversations. And so I'll see you after some good music. Zoe, it's so good to have you with me today on Voice of Change. You've been doing such phenomenal things with your organization, Save a Fishy, for such a long time. One that you actually started when you were in school already, which is amazing. So tell us a little bit about what inspired you to do this, to go on this journey. Yeah, so um, it started when I was, sure, like 10 years old. Um, I joined Girl Guides and I was very fortunate to join a group that was so focused in community service. So with them, I did my first beach cleanup and, you know, they just carried on from there and I started running my own cleanups and obviously being so young, it was really hard for me to understand like why there was so much rubbish on the beach and I was kind of confused, but you know, I wanted to try and help. So that's when I started running my own cleanups. And then in about, sure, when I was in like grade 10, I think it was, I started Save a Fishy, which was sort of like an organization and a little eco-friendly business where I sold like, you know, single-use alternatives and things like that, alternatives to single-use plastic. Um, yeah, I started with like a biodegradable straw, bamboo straws, you know, books made from recycled paper, and it kind of just carried on from there. And yeah, now here we are, and we've got amazing campaigns going, lots of beach cleanups. Yeah, really getting out there and raising awareness. Mm. You've also been doing such amazing things with the organization that obviously it's enabled you to kind of be quite like a bit known I would say out there and it's so amazing to see you know the beach cleanups and also how active you are on social media and bringing awareness to the reality of what's actually happening and I guess like you said being when you were so young it's like so confusing why is the beach so polluted yeah it is hot and and I'm sure as an adult we can't even understand it right (laughs) because it's like there are other options what are you guys doing yeah It's such a far uh, backtrace, if I can say. It's like so overdone. And now to try and recover from it, it's it's a lot of work. But we'll get there. We'll get there. Mm, Definitely. And so tell me something, you know, know, we've been talking a lot last year about, you know, the environment almost having that break when people Mm -hmm. were on lockdown, which in a way was true. We did see that. But what did you witness when you went back to the beach? started the cleanups again was there a lot of pollution still around or did you know there seem to be that little bit of a break in what was happening in the environment um i wish i could say there was but um i suppose we saw a lot of healing in terms of air pollution things like that um there were a lot of people on the roads but when going back you know there were just new new enemies you know the the single use masks and plastic uh, gloves and needles and things like that a lot more of the the things we used to protect ourselves from COVID and now you know people are still it still affects the earth I know we've got to protect ourselves but you know protect the ocean the earth as well um one thing I did notice when we had the whole cigarette ban ironically was cigarette butts lessened a lot which was really cool to see to know you know it is possible but you know now with cigarettes being okay again you know it's back so that was one thing I noticed, but definitely the masks and gloves have come back with vengeance, unfortunately. Hmm. 
Well, that's a bit of a challenge then that we should give the listeners as well to say, yeah. you know, we have to dispose of our masks and our gloves correctly. I've also seen those images. I'm sure you've seen them as well, you know, with birds and they have these masks now around their necks. And it is absolutely tragic. Why can't we get this right? You know, what is actually yeah. happening? It's not, it's not one thing, it's another. So Yeah, but I know that you obviously feel a lot of hope as well you know seeing doing the beach cleanup seeing people getting involved and i know a lot of people joining for the beach cleanups and being so excited what have you actually seen have you seen people's mindsets start to change and want to get involved in caring for the earth more protecting the environment i know it's a big thing especially for us young people we want to be able to do it we're getting super involved even you know from your very young age already but have you seen people in general changing their mindsets and getting more involved in protecting the earth Yes, definitely. Um, a lot of the youth are very much involved, um, amazing volunteers, you know, loyal volunteers, and just people wanting to learn and help as much as they can. Um, I have, I feel like saving the planet has become like a trend, which is amazing right now. You know, everyone wants to be involved. Everybody wants to be involved and have their, you know, the eco-friendly straws and bottles and everything. So mm. it's really cool to see and see people kind of joining together and trying to take it on together and learning together. So, mm. yeah, you know, we can't do it by ourselves. So I definitely have noticed a change, which is really amazing, not being alone. Yeah, definitely. And I wanted to ask you, you know, you've been doing some fundraising to go and join with Green Pop. Tell us a bit about that, the Eden Festival. Tell us a bit about, yes. about what's been happening with that and, you know, what your plans are. Yeah, so... Unfortunately, um, they have had to postpone Eden Festival of Action till September um, due to COVID and everything. You know, we want to be safe first. Mm. So that is quite a bummer. But, you know, now we have more time to raise awareness about it, raise funds for it. Um, it's an amazing uh, camp, can I say, where we, we plant trees and we learn about eco-bricking, living sustainably, um, all things like that. So even though I have to wait a bit longer now, you know. I'm still very, very excited, and I think it's going to be a very great success. Mm, definitely. I love what Green Pop do about, you know, planting trees. And there's that <laughs> saying that says the time to plant a tree was yesterday, which oh. is exactly <laughs> true. And it's so incredible. I love the work that they are doing. And I also wanted to ask you, you are doing a beach cleanup this Saturday, Saturday the yeah. 12th of June. So how can people now specifically tell us what area you're going to be yeah. focusing on and how can people come on down and get involved with the beach cleanup? Yeah, so um, the 8th of June is World Oceans Day. So on the 12th, we will be kind of doing a beach cleanup around that. So um, it is at Mulnerton Lagoon by Wang Kai Restaurant. Um, it is from 10 o'clock and yeah, we'll be cleaning the beach there and we'll have um, a lot of people joined we are doing it with console as well um yeah and if you want any more information or anything like that you can go to save a fishy on facebook and yeah all the information will be on there all gloves and bags are provided all you need to do is bring yourself and some energy and yeah we're going to clean the beach mm, awesome and don't forget to wear your mask and wear it properly don't dispose of it during the beach <laughs> cleanup please yeah that there is go. that is awesome so how often do you do these beach cleanups I oh, I love doing beach cleanups. Obviously, it's 
you know, working and doing everything at the same time. It's hard. I wish I could go down to the beach every day. But mm. um, I try to run, like, big cleanups uh, twice a month. And then in between, they might be for a special occasion or, you know, I'm, I have a free evening here. I'm going to go down to the beach if anyone wants to join. But whenever I do, then I'll just post that on my Facebook page. And then whoever's in the area or is free is welcome to come down. But, yeah, we try to stick to minimum two a month. I think it's very important to go down as often as possible. Mm. And every time you go down, if we talk about the Mulleton Lagoon and we talk about the beach, is there so much stuff that you consistently have to be cleaning up? Yes, it's actually, it's kind of mind-blowing to think that, you know, we've picked up so much already. Every time we go back, mm. it's just there again. And I can imagine for some of my volunteers, it's a bit like draining because it's like, yo, I picked up for, what, three hours last week yeah. and now I'm back and it's here again. Um, yeah, we did a clean-up a few weeks ago at Mullison Lagoon again, obviously, and we were picking up nappies. That was like our main culprit. We picked up over 80 nappies. Can you believe it? And wow. while cleaning up, it's kind of just washing in as we're busy. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of like a losing battle. But, you know, I believe that every piece picked up is one less piece in the ocean and one less piece that could have a negative effect later on in his life. So, mm, yeah, absolutely. you know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible. It's almost like reminds me of that... There was that video clip that was going around, you know, many years ago about the starfish and yes. how impactful it is. And it's so true, you know. It's like someone comes along and is like, well, you're not going to save the whole planet. You're not going to make a huge impact exactly. here. You're just doing – it's like, well, this matters. Seriously, it matters. And it this does. It's a difference to that one. Exactly. And it does. It absolutely does. And I, I absolutely love what you're doing. And I'm so, so grateful Thank for you. individuals like yourself, because this is so important what you're doing. Like you just said, you know what, that's one less thing that's going to go into the ocean. It's one yeah. less reality that we're going to have to deal with further on down the road and for the animals that are in the ocean, the ecosystem for everything. So this is important work. It's incredible. And I also... It, it's this is incredible to me like just the awareness that you've been creating and so again please just give people that Facebook page just in case they want to go on and like the page and follow what Zoe's doing and also there's stuff that you can buy so just tell us again about that Facebook page so that my listeners now can know exactly where it is yes so it is save a fishy s-a-v-e and fishy i-e at the end just so people don't get yeah <laughs> oh that is so awesome and Zoe I want to say thank you so much for the incredible work that you're doing thank you so much for you know what like really living this passion and finding it from you know being in school being a teenager and finding this greater passion and this greater purpose almost so thank you so much and oh you know I wish you all the best for the cleanup on Saturday and Thanks. also you know if I know that plastic free July is coming very very soon and if you have a message for the listeners about Plastic Free July, mm. please, will you share that with us? Yeah, so look, I live by, you know, every little difference. Every little thing that you do makes a difference. So for Plastic Free July, make that one little change and, you know, carry it on. Carry it on out of July, you know, not just for one month. Mm. Um, the small little differences, oh, they make such a big impact that you don't even see, you know. Just swap out your your straws and your plastic bags and... You know, switching off lights when you leave the room. There's things you can do. And, mm. yeah, just join a beach cleanup. Come on down. It's a lovely way to spend a Saturday morning or a Sunday evening. 
Um, and yeah, just most importantly is believe that you can make a difference. Um, every little bit helps, mm. truly. Mm. Amen to that. Zoe, thank you so much for being here today on Voice of Change. It's been such a great pleasure to have you. And yes, all the best for all those future beach cleanups. And I hope to see you at one of them soon. Thank you. Take care. Chanel, it's so wonderful to have you with me today and to be talking about the incredible Nine Miles Project, which I told the listeners about earlier on in the show, saying that you co-founded it with your husband, Nigel, and... You guys are just doing such phenomenal work. So before we get into it, tell us a bit about the Nine Miles Project and what exactly it is. Mm. Thanks so much, Lauren. Uh, Lauren, the Nine Miles Project is a, a youth um, and community initiative. Um, we started a social venture where the heart behind it was to get to work with youth and get to work with community members using surfing as a draw card and as a platform um, to provide many additional services that we saw were lacking and were, were greatly needed. So with Nine Miles Project, we do surfing, we do literacy, we do um, feeding, poverty alleviation, community support, skills development. We try to help people to find jobs. Um, but our slogan is going the distance. And so we, we really focus on the holistic support that we can give um, to, to communities and to families as a whole. I think at the heart of what we're doing is, is, is really to put it in a nutshell, that we see that everyone is perfect for their purpose. And our goal is to work with the youth to help them find their purpose and then to walk the road with them to achieve that purpose. Mm. Wow, this is incredible because it's almost like there's so many different tiers that you guys work on. And I've heard, you know, your husband referring to surf therapy, which I know surfing is it's quite a big thing that you guys do as well. There's so many incredible photos that, you know, you share over social media. So how do you integrate, you know, surfing and teaching the kids that skill, which is incredible, and, you know, the work that you're doing in helping at-risk youth and those that are vulnerable? Yeah, Lauren, well, actually, you know, when it started out, we went into the Seven Delan community and mm. we took some surf equipment with us and some food and we presented the equipment and gave a bit of a talk to the kids. And then we asked them who would like to come surfing and about eight youth picked up their hands mm. and then they came surfing with us. And at the time, uh, the reason we chose surfing was because Nigel grew up surfing and he felt that surfing was really a lifeline for him from all the social ills that were happening in his community, which is a community of Strandfontein where we have the organization. So Nigel has actually grown up in this community. And, mm. and every time we were a year or we came back, we saw that actually many, uh, many youth were falling into things that they shouldn't, you know, into bad social behaviors, into gangs, into wrong cliques. And so he wanted to use surfing and introduce them to surfing so that they will have a means of escape. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's the point of surf therapy is that when you get into the water, there's something about, number one, doing a sport, but there's also something about getting into the heart of nature, into the ocean. Um, you'll find many people that give a testimony or speak about it will say, you know, when they're in the water, all that matters is when catching that next wave. You know, you can't mm. think about the problem that happened at home or, or the three things that went wrong yesterday, but you actually just get in to, to this relaxed zone. You know, you get into your own space. There's such a, a freedom that one feels, you know. Mm. Um, you sort of have a lot of our kids that come from the informal settlements where their houses are so tiny, and then they get into this big ocean where space is no longer a constraint. Mm. 
many things that they experience as a constraint don't exist in the water. Um, and the reason for surfing as surf therapy is that a lot of these these young people have faced a lot of trauma. Um, they've dealt with a lot of challenges. They they may be dealing with with with, with anger um, and, and and a lot of pent up emotions. But but we find that surfing helps them to to find a vent for that, mm. find a place to express that, find a place to become calmer, to be more centered, and also to to achieve um, um, short-term goals. Because when you're in the water, you, 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 you sort of get to have these, these small wins, these quick wins, which is mm. learning how to stand on a board, learning how to ride away, learning how to paddle to the back. So they begin to enjoy the confidence that's built up in these small wins. And then they begin to get a lot of life lessons out of it. Like even if you jump on the board and you get knocked over and a wave knocks you over, um, get back up there again, persevere, mm. don't give up. Think about the timing of your life. Think about the timing of a wave. You know, you've got to sort of time it so that you can ride the wave. And no matter and no matter what happens in life, ultimately you're looking to find that perfect wave that you can ride. You know, that will bring you all the way into shore. And that's and that's sort of how you know surfing it, it becomes um, a draw card that helps our young people um, to overcome a, a lot of a lot of the difficulties or the challenges that they're dealing with, um, so that we can be able to do other things with them as well. So initially we took them surfing um, and when we got them into the water, then we found out, okay, some of them can't swim. So then we're like, okay, let's start a swimming program so they can learn how to swim. Then when they were done surfing, we realized, oh my goodness, they're so hungry. Oh no, they've got challenges with food at home. Okay, let's start feeding the kids. Then at one point we were maybe sitting with them trying to read some surfing books and then we realized, oh no, but a lot of you don't know how to read. You don't even know your alphabet. So then we started a literacy program. <laughs> and then we found out, okay, because you can't read, you're really struggling at school. So we need to sort out this literacy and we need to give you some academic support. Um, and so that's kind of how it, it, it built up. You know, to be honest, surfing has, has created like a whole world of love for us. You know, mm. eventually it, I mean, it, it goes on because then what happened is the kids obviously get a little bit older. And because it's young kids riding the boards, they keep damaging the boards all the time. And so we thought, oh gosh, okay, we, we need to repair our boards, but it's costing us too much. So, so then we started a social enterprise where we started doing board repairs. Mm -hmm. Then some of our boys uh, that were a little bit older, but weren't fully um, but weren't in school, they started working in the board repairs and they learned a skill. So mm. then they started learning how to repair boards and even further how to shape boards. And now one of them is actually going to go on to be a board shaper. Um, so that became like a, 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 mm. a livelihood for them. And, and then they started working and they started earning money and they became breadwinners for their family. And, and what they were doing was, was repairing these boards. And then at one point, we had a lot of uh, donations of surfboards and not all the surfboards. Uh, we couldn't use all the surfboards. So we thought, OK, what do we do with these surfboards? We do need um, soft tops, which are better for the younger kids. And so then we started a second hand surf shop. So that allowed mm. some of our other boys to get work in the second hand surf shop. And they started um, selling sort of the, the, the surfboards and some of the wetsuits that we had and actually making surfing a more accessible sport to people because it became quite affordable. You could maybe get a combo for like 500 rand or something. But they were now generating their own funds and then they could buy to repair the boards and then the boards could be used by the other kids who were learning to surf and damaging their boards quite often. Um, 
And so as you can see, as I'm chatting and chatting, it's like this world, this, mm. the surfing has just been really to, to us a tool of love, a sport of love, you know, um, and, 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 and it's created a whole world around us. Now from surfing, we've got literacy programs, we've got uh, feeding gardens, we've got feeding programs in the community, we've got academic support programs, we've got environmental programs, we've all of this just stemming from just mm. getting in the water and sharing the stoke. Mm. This is so incredible, Chanel. I love just listening to you and just hearing it. It's almost like you were talking about, you know, repairing boards. And I was thinking this is really repairing communities, the work that you are oh, doing. Wow. It's it just mm-hmm. like that just resonated in my heart, you know. And I, I just love just ex- how you express this and how you shared this was so incredible and you know being in the water now I mean I grew up in Cape Town and I grew up in Tableview where everybody was surfing right but I never yeah. ventured into the water because it seemed quite scary you know to have that big ocean in front of you but the way that you just explained it you know it's it's so incredible it kind of felt so inspiring you know but it, oh. it's it's amazing this work and it really sounds to me as well as though Firstly, this is a labor of love, but also mm. this is the destiny that God had for you guys. And it was like, I'm sure you just had to say you took a first step and said yes to something small. And it just absolutely grew. And it sounds like this was absolutely the purpose that God has for you and your family and for the people that serve with you. Absolutely, Lord. And it's really been, yeah, I think that's what happens um, and should happen in everyone's life is that there's there's a burden that comes on your life, you know, a burden that leads you towards a labor of love, you know, and it's really God's heart for people. Um, it's like I always used to say, uh, it's the Einstein saying, if you judge a fish by its ability to, to climb a tree, it will spend its whole life thinking it's an idiot, mm-hmm. you know. And so what we're trying to do is to say, look, we want to if we have a fish, let's put that fish in water. Let's let's let every single person know that they they loved, that they are special, that they have a purpose that they've been put on the earth for and that they don't have to worry about their surroundings or their circumstances or their past. But what they can do from today onwards and towards their future um, to really reach their potential is where we want to be with these young people. So we, we're really trying to go the distance with them. We've got some kids that have been in our program since they were nine or 10 years old. Um, at the moment, a lot of the team has gone to Elans Bay. We've got another project in Elans Bay. Mm. And Faik, who is our oldest student, is turning 21 years old on wow. Thursday. So we've walked a long road um, with our families, with our kids. Uh, it's a a pleasure it's a privilege you know what it's an honor to be able to see um the steps they've taken in their life towards development mm. um if i may share the story of faik laden uh, he was one of the first group of eight students that we took into the project into the program um and faik at one point uh, dropped out of school because he had a learning disability and he was struggling to learn how to to read and I think he became very discouraged and despondent. He was always quite mocked and ridiculed mm. with, with, within the schooling system. Um, but what happened with Faik is he just stuck close to the project and he and he stayed he stayed coming to the, the sessions and the lessons and eventually Faik was was the first student that we employed in the project. Um, he got his first aid. Uh, he got he he was the first student to become a surf coach. So he's one of the mm. if anyone comes for a surf lesson, it's actually the students now who are the first boys that are that are the first and second boys that are that are the surf coaches that do the surf lessons. And then Faik is also the one that heads up the board repair shop 
them. And and, and, and the, surf sh- the second hand surf shop is called Second Chance Surf Shop, which is interesting since all these boys are having a second chance in the Second Chance mm. Surf Shop. And, they, and he does the board repairs. And one thing he's also done is he's the one that has shaped some boards and is actually been mentored at the moment into becoming a board shaper, which is a very lucrative career. If you do understand surfing, you'll yeah. know that when you always when you order a custom-made surfboard, there's usually a long waiting list. Um, and Faik has basically been mentored into that. He's learning how to do that. Um, he's been a breadwinner for his family. And all the while doing this, he's still been s- sitting in the literacy program. So Mm. Faik is what we would call functionally literate, but it's not fully literate. Meaning Mm. if you if you get him in his workspace, he'll look like he can do all to do for his job. But if you start saying advocate or this or that, he might not necessarily understand those words. Mm. But you know what? He is a exceptional problem solver and we Mm. depend a great, great deal on him. And in fact, some of his friends or his peers in the community um, had fallen out of the program and gotten involved in in, 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 in wrong social behaviors. Yeah. But Faik persevered and then he went back seeing his friends and said, come now, come now, come work with me in the board repair room. Come, come and do what I'm doing. Come to work every day with me. And eventually his friends came and they started working with him every day mm-hmm. in the board repairs. And so he's used his skill and his talent and his ability. Um, number one, at some point, he was also the breadwinner for his family. Um, and now his mom also works uh, for us as a cook in the community. So she's doing the the cooking every day um, where they feed in all the kids in the community. Um, and Faik has actually been that person that has pioneered all of this, oldest of the boys. He turns 21 on Thursday. Um, they done it. They're doing a trip now to Elans Bay to go and work with the kids in Elans Bay, and also just to celebrate his 21st. Mm. But it's exceptional just to see. Um, the way his life has gone and the fact that that, that he's really perfect for his purpose is he's, he's amazing if you meet him and and actually he's not really fully literate and not mm. academically inclined, no. <laughs> this is so incredible because it's exactly like you shared earlier on, you know, if we judge everybody by the same standard and that's oftentimes how it happens, you know, when you go to school, you all we, we just sit in our desk, you know, and we expect it to be incredibly academic. But that's not mm-hmm. that's just one way of life one way of living it's not how it should be for for everybody you know that we all have to be like that we need to all understand maths all understand computers all do the same thing it's like no ways if we have the ability to explore who we really are and those purposes that we have and our passions it's so incredible i love that you shared the story thank you so much for that and i also wanted to ask you you were talking about you know feeding the community as well how was that during last year? Because we know we had COVID and we had the lockdowns. And when we started coming out of lockdown level five into level four, we, we realized really, really quickly that food was becoming a big problem. You know, people weren't able to go to their jobs. They weren't able to get anything. So did you guys consistently try and show up by feeding people at that time? And did you see the needs were, were quite big at that stage? Wow, lot of COVID. Well, let's say pre-COVID, before COVID hit, I had this goal, which I was always telling my team about, guys, we need to get to a point where we're feeding 90 people a day, Mm. 90, you know, 90 people a day. This is my song. And then just before COVID hit, they came to me and said, look, on any day we're feeding between 80 and 100 people. We've reached the target. And, you know, we were so happy to know that Mm. we could give that kind and then lockdown happened and we literally went from our 90 people a day to 1,500 meals a day 
And that is sort of the transition we had to make. Mm. The communities were on lockdown. Uh, we especially work in the informal settlements. Of course, nobody could go out. Uh, many people in those communities live uh, from hand to mouth. So there was no way to generate income. Um, we had just done a, an assessment just before, before lockdown happened. And we had uh, close to 80 percent. It was between 76 or 80 percent of unemployment in those communities. So mm. if there were a thousand people, 800 of them were anyway not working. And then the ones who were working were working on a no work, no pay basis, most of them, um, not all of them, but most of them, or they were depend and, and, and many, of course, been dependent on a government grant or support yeah. from an organization such as ours. So when lockdown happened, we actually moved to feeding 1,500 meals a day, seven days a week. And so when when many people were in lockdown and sitting at home, we were actually in overdrive. Wow. Um, but we were just happy for the for the inroads and the connections that we had made with all our community members because we obviously had to handle the situation really right. The last mm. thing you want is that you end up being a cause for more of the spread of the virus. So what we did is instead of cooking at the central place like we used to, we set up kitchens in every community. Mm. So we had ladies from the community cooking the meals for the people in their community and distributing it there. Mm -hmm. So you didn't have a situation where people had to walk across to different communities. Um, in, in our communities, I must I must say, and I think it's all around, is that is, 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 is food insecurity, uh, the problem of hunger, mm -hmm. the problem of, of, of not having the right nutrition or enough meals a day was, was there even be before COVID hit. And I yeah. think... Um, with COVID coming on, uh, it, it, it really sort of shed a bright light upon that huge social problem, the huge issue, the huge humanitarian crisis that we have, which is the fact that there is there is some communities are having no access to food. They don't know where their meals are coming from. They may be having one meal a day. They may be just eating a few slices of bread. Um, that's enough. That's not enough for a young child to really yeah. develop um, the way a child should develop, especially if we're talking bodily development, brain functioning, um, those type of things. Um, you need to actually be having a little bit more wholesome meals and you need to be eating more frequently. Um, and it, it, it was a, it's, it's, it's a huge issue. And, and, and interestingly enough, Lauren, we are finding that as we're going along now, the issue and it's actually growing. So even though um, lockdowns have eased and people are able to work and those type of things, uh, many people don't have jobs anymore. They're not able to find jobs and, and the food need is growing. I'm inundated with food requests mm -hmm. all the time. Um, and we on our side are just trying to do more and more to be able to help to feed more and more people, more and more communities. We help with feeding in Tafelsuch. We help with feeding in Woodlands and in parts of Mitchell's Plain. Um, at the moment, we're part of a big grant that we've received where we've got a network of kitchens all across Cape Town and we are feeding about 6,700 or close to 7,000 meals a day. Wow, that's incredible. You know, I'm mm -hmm. sure though that this means that the need will probably keep on growing and the support will need to keep on coming in. And I would love to know, how can people connect with you? You know, do you have a website or do you prefer people just to find out more about what you're doing and how to get involved over social media? Tell us a bit about how people can connect. 
Absolutely. Uh, Lauren, if anybody wants to just find out more or hear more, um, they're welcome to go onto our website, www.9themeric9milesproject.org. Um, they're also welcome to check us out on social media. Our details are there. I think my cell phone is there on, on the website and on social media, but I'll give it here anyway, 082-997-8754. So that's 082 997 um, if you go onto the website, you'll be able to pop us an email um, or you could just email us on info at ninemilesproject.org. Um, and yeah, it's, it's awesome if people can get connected because they can become a helping hand to to help with the feeding issue, um, to help with other issues, but just need to invest in the life of a young person. Um, it's lovely. I must say we've had exceptional support. I mean, people might speak to myself or they might speak to Nigel, who's a co-founder honest with you it's so many hands and so many hearts that have come together and south africans are exceptional when it comes to this mm. no matter how dire their own personal plight may be they always have enough love in their heart to share and to give i mean that's something i took out of this um covid lockdown time i had um i had pensioners calling me to pick up goods mm. for me to feed in the community and they said no 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 we realize there are others that have greater needs than us so anyone mm. that wants to come out i mean even if they just want to come out and spend time with the kids or just come and see the project is always welcome i do believe when people come and meet us and meet the family they normally fall in love and and, and they mm. find a way to work with us that best suits them and what they're trying to achieve um in the form of spreading love with their life, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's so incredible. Chanel, I want to say thank you so much to yourself and to Nigel and to your family, as well as to all the incredible people that you have working with you at the Nine Miles Project. I'm so inspired today by so much of what you shared and the incredible work that you are doing in your community and, you know, above that as well. And I just really pray God's richest blessings over you guys as you just continue to serve and repair communities and help restore. And this is so incredible. And I want to say thank you and honor you for this work that you are doing because it's so phenomenal and thank you and I encourage the listeners to go on over to the website get involved lend a hand go and visit and yeah we just want to pray God's blessings over you and thank you so much Chanel thank you so much Lauren we received that and thank you for just taking the time out to hear our story we appreciate it blessings to you and all the listeners as well Thank you so much. Hey, take care. Feeling absolutely so inspired after, you know, listening to Zoe and Chanel. And it's so funny to me because I just realized while we were having these conversations that a lot of what we spoke about today really involved around the ocean and really involved around the environment and how much of a blessing our oceans and our environment really is to us. And I guess that that's part of because we live in Cape Town and we are super blessed you know, you know, okay, we have that cold water that runs out three years, so we're not blessed with that so much. But we are super blessed with the incredible ocean that we have. And to live on the coast is really such a blessing. And I always find that when, you know, and you probably do as well when you travel, you know, into the interior of South Africa. When I've traveled overseas, people say, where do you live? And I say, well, live, you know, close to the ocean. I can see the ocean from my house. And everybody's like, wow, I would love that. And so it's so incredible to just honor that today. And we know that June 8th this week was World Ocean Day, as Zoe said as well. And we know that it's so incredible to think about the impact of our environment. And I want to encourage you today, if you've never been to a beach cleanup, to really go on over 
and and you know get involved with one and this is happening at Milneton Lagoon Beach so you can get involved with that but there are many different beach cleanups that take place all over Cape Town I know out in Strand there's some amazing ones and it's so important that we get involved and we kind of get in and we take care of our environment and also I was really thinking about so much of what Chanel was sharing so powerfully that they are impacting communities and you know what connect with the nine miles project nine miles project.org don't forget that's the website address and go on over and see even what they do take some photos go for a surf lesson and you know be in the water connect with the kids and also maybe you want to lend a hand or you know take some some things down that they can use to feed the communities thousands of people are being fed by their community organization and that for me is powerful and I want to end off with saying that yes it's all about youth month and it's all about really thinking how can we impact our youth for the better how can we impact our youth for the future because we want to give our young people a future that is worth having and a future that they have you know feel inspired about a future that where they find themselves and their purpose and that is so important and so I thank you so much for being with me today I have loved just sharing the voices of incredible humans doing incredible work may God be praised that people are picking up their mandates and picking up purpose and just being obedient to what is placed in their heart fanning into flame the gifts that God has given to them to better serve this world and to partner with Christ to make this earth a better place for you and for me and for the generations after us. So you know what? Take care. Be a blessing to others. Make the change in your communities. Get involved. And you know what? Let's leave a better world for those who come after us. Take care and see you next week. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.